So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite sting. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Berasmo, and with me as always is Eric Walensky. Eric? Hey, gang. Let's have some fun. Let's. Let's have some fun with a third person. Let's have a little bit of a threesome. That doesn't sound right, but we're going to do it anyway. We have a very special guest with us this week. Once again, joining us for the second time is Brad Jost from the Jurassic Park podcast. Brad, say hello to everybody out there. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Things are off to a, a very interesting start already. Yes, I, I can't are. wait to see where this one goes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to genetically engineer uh, a fourth some. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it kind of makes my little opening quip take on a whole new meaning. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Blue, stand down. Stand down. Hey, hey, what did I just say? Delta, I see you. Back up. Okay. Good. Good. Carly. Stay right there. Good. Close the gate. Are you crazy? Hey, just trust me. Close the gate! Job opening. Hey, don't ever turn your back to the cage. Well, folks, now that you've heard that Brad is with us, I hope once again you understand that we are focusing on the Jurassic franchise. This week, we're going to be talking about Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. So, you know, the last time we all met and did one of these, Brad, we talked about Jurassic Park, The Lost World, and Jurassic Park 3, and two of those three movies you didn't actually remember seeing in theaters. But I'm going to guess that you do remember seeing Jurassic World in theaters. You know, it's it's actually a really weird story. I have no recollection. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely, I definitely do remember seeing Jurassic World in theaters. Um and I was, it was actually a really interesting time because, so this is 2015, right? And mm -hmm. I, I, um, I had to go all the way up to Pennsylvania because I was getting married that weekend. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of went to go stay at this farmhouse where we were having the wedding and everything. And I found a movie theater that was out in that Pennsylvania area. And I'm like, all right, uh, who can we get? Can we get, you know, cause some of our wedding party was already up there and everything for the weekend. And mm -hmm. we went, I think it was like a, a Thursday night or something. So we all went out together to go see Jurassic world. And by that point I was already still, I was podcasting about the film um, or the, the series as a whole. And I, <laughs> I like, couldn't even let it go during like my wedding weekend. I'm like, <laughs> I got to record. I got to like bring my, cause I think I was using just like my phone at that time. And I'm like, I'm, recording us going to the theater i'm sitting in the theater of course like i i maybe mentioned it last time that like uh, my cousin was really into it as well and like i i kind of coaxed him into being like a, a co-host with me at the original at the start of the podcast and he hasn't been on it in a long time since but you know we're, we're both sitting in the theater kind of like talking about it and getting pumped and and ready and 
and yeah, the movie blew me away. I thought it was pretty awesome. I, I love the thing. And, you know, there were moments of terror and joy and, and uh, fear and stuff like that. I remember uh, specifically mm-hmm. the T-Rex moment, right? In uh, the, the main street fight with the Indominus Rex and the T-Rex in blue. And I, I was sitting there like, in fear because I thought that the T-Rex that I knew and loved from my childhood was about to die. And Mm -hmm. we talked about this um, with Jurassic Park three. And I, and I mentioned like, Oh, I didn't know why anybody cared about the, the Spinosaurus, you know, killing a T-Rex because it wasn't any T-Rex we all cared about. But, but in Jurassic world, this T-Rex is the same T-Rex from the first movie. So I did care about it and I was horrified that it almost died and it didn't luckily. So all was good. (laughs) And, uh, I, I absolutely love the movie. I I think it's great. And, um, yeah, I know, I know it has its issues and it's, it's definitely a popcorn flick at times, but, uh, I, I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. Very nice. Eric. Well, uh, yes, I had very vivid memories of seeing the first Jurassic Park and the second Jurassic Park. And then it's funny because I don't really remember seeing the third one in the theaters. And that's a funny, it's a complete reversal of you, Brad. Um, but <laughs> I, I, it's not that I don't remember it. It's just that I went to the movie theater at uh, City Walk in Orlando and it was just an, a going to a movie experience. There, there was nothing extraordinary or exciting, except that I had just moved to Florida and I was seeing the movie after having ridden the ride. So that was uh, that was a pretty cool thing. But overall, the actual experience was I went and saw the movie and walked away and was like, yeah, it's Jurassic Park. I love it. Put a dinosaur on a movie screen and I'm going to hand you 20 bucks. That's all there is to it. So with Jurassic World, same kind of experience. You you had me at hello. I I was in as soon as the movie came out, and uh, and it was a it was just a day at the movies, and uh, ultimately I liked it. I couldn't rave about it though, and we can get into that in a little bit. I hmm. just uh, I kind of felt like the trailer gave me too much, <laughs> um, and not even like peeks at the dinosaurs necessarily, because at this point if you haven't seen a Jurassic park movie being an adult, you know, this is not probably going to be your, your first film you're going to see. You've probably already seen the other ones as a kid. This might be your first film. So, so I don't think they need to really tip their hand and show you too much with dinosaurs. You know, basically what you're going to get there. But I just felt like I saw too much of Chris Pratt's character. So too many of the lines were already, I'd seen it like a hundred times. And, uh, I, I just got, saw too much of Bryce Dallas Howard already. So when I was watching the movie, trying to get into the characters, because like I said, you already know what the dinosaurs are about. I, uh, I found myself being just slightly detached from them uh, till almost the, uh, the final action sequence. And then I kind of started caring more, but up till then um, I was, uh, I wasn't disappointed. I just was not blown away. Interesting. So I went to see this Jurassic World with a couple friends um, up in L.A. and saw it at the big theater at Hollywood and Highlands, which is a pretty well-known movie theater up there. Uh, It's right next to the Chinese theater. And it was one of the best movie experiences I've had in Southern California. Uh, I saw it with a good friend from Real Fans for Real Movies group, Andy DiGenova, and a couple other friends. Um, Mark Gottlieb, Diane Osgood, and it completely blew me away. So I have a picture that I'm looking at right now from my from that I took on and posted on Facebook. That uh, it was I had a Fitbit at the time, and I'm wearing my Fitbit, and it's a picture of my heartbeat on the Fitbit in the movie theater, and <laughs> it was. 102 and my resting heart rate is 78 that's how what the movie was doing to me in the theater (laughs) and i don't remember what scene this was i don't remember what part of the movie it was but i had to take my phone out and take a picture because my heart my heartbeat was just going crazy um so needless to say jurassic world was my most anticipated movie of 2015 and it did not disappoint i loved almost every moment of it and we'll talk about the almost a little later 
but I thought it was the perfect entrance to this franchise. And in my mind, it's the second best movie in the franchise up to that point. So I don't know if those are bold words talking to both of you, but I'm, I'm putting it down. I don't think it's too bold. I think it's, uh, I've heard a lot of people say that exact same thing. And honestly, you know, it, it created this entire, like, you know, huge fandom now, you know, the fandom was one thing before, but now it's just, it's massive. And in the, for the people that saw this at the right time in their lives, this movie, even people that are, you know, a bit younger than us too, it's just, it was their Jurassic park or their star Wars. And it, it, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's hard to tell from our perspective, you know, because we had all of those other movies, but it's, it's huge for a lot of people. And I, I can see why, and I, I love it. And, you know, like Eric's saying, I don't, I didn't necessarily connect with a lot of the characters the same way I did with the originals, but over time I've, I've certainly grown to love them uh, quite a bit and everything, but um, mm-hmm. sure. The movie has its faults here and there, but I think it's, it's, it's done something that we never could have expected. And I honestly don't think universally even thought this would happen. No, and, uh, sure you know, if you if you look at the, you know, the theme parks and stuff like that, it's like, oh, did they even care that or, you know, think about how big this movie would have been back then? It seems like, no, you know, they just had no faith in it. Right. It's weird. It, they've kind of honestly, like, continued that trend a little bit. It's not like, you know, they do give it a lot of love, but um it's something that feels like Jurassic is one of the biggest franchises of all time. And, and you know, it's, it's up there with star Wars and M- the MCU and stuff like that. Um, as far as like, you know, box office is concerned, but it still doesn't necessarily get all that love. And the fandom is awesome. And I think everybody um, is really, really cool. And it's built this like entire, like new uh, life for me and this lifestyle and everything. So uh, it's mm-hmm. done amazing things. And, uh, you know, and I, I, most of that is not even related to the movie, but it's just like, it just, it's so special to me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Yeah, I want to take a second and reverse something I said. I said it was the most anticipated film of 2015. It was the second was most wondering. for me. Yeah, Star Wars The Force Awakens was, was number one. That's right. It was right. a big I, movie I, year, yeah. <laughs> it was a big movie year. Age of Ultron was number three behind Jurassic World, and that really, really disappointed so oh yeah um, force awakens though i think i just think of it as 2016 because it was in the what two weeks before the end of december but it's really yeah you know, it was it's right around christmas there yeah so yeah uh, but and, yeah and that Jurassic was number one pretty well it sure did it had a long yeah. run it made a lot of money and oh, you're yeah. right to talk about how the theme parks didn't embrace it because universal didn't modify their jurassic park attraction the river adventure until just last year right or maybe 2018 but at least in uh, california until 2019 yeah it um i mean they haven't really done all that much until that you know until the uh, hollywood stuff was updated and you know in, in orlando it's just like hey let's throw some banners up and, and just kind of make it look a little bit like jurassic world and mm-hmm. you know we've all questioned it because uh you know right around that time it's like well we're gonna put in a kong attraction right here in the middle of right. islands of adventure in in an odd place kind of dismissing the the cohesive theme of different lands and all this stuff and let's just throw mm-hmm. it there right in Jurassic and it's like if they had had a little faith and 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 hope and you know after talking about Jurassic Park 3 and you know seeing that the box office was going down and down and down it wasn't it was still producing but it wasn't what it was so they just didn't think it was going to be the powerhouse and be the biggest movie of the uh, nearly the year at that right. point it one of the biggest of all time um and uh it it did that and unfortunately you know they put kong there i love kong like the the reign of kong i think that's an amazing attraction i love it but i wish it was somewhere else because that was that should have been like a jurassic update right there if they had some faith but unfortunately they didn't at the time yep you know the thing that jurassic world gave us that i think fans like real fans of jurassic park franchise had wanted for so long was to see the park you know, we had glimpses of the park in Jurassic Park, and then yes. we were on a separate island for two and three. And Jurassic World brought us back to the the original island with John Hammond's legacy and the T-Rex, like you already mentioned, that we knew. And with some set pieces that brought that nostalgia, that childhood-loving nostalgia out when the two kids are in the, the visitor center. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, there's the Jeep, that they take that's then you know the jeep from the first movie it's just so much of that 
childhood loving nostalgia is in the film and all the things that you wanted to see from an operating Jurassic Park is in Jurassic World. When the monorail goes through the gate, it just like in the first, what, eight minutes of the movie, my heart just beats out of its chest, as we already talked about, to 102 beats per minute. <laughs> and it's a it's a way cooler park even than the the other glimpse that we get to see, which is in the Lost World of the San Diego park that they were going to build on the mainland. That was pretty lackluster. Even the models that they show in the Lost World weren't very exciting. But as soon as the kids get on that monorail and go to Jurassic World, that, yes, was just mind-blowing how how awesome it was. I, mean, I, I wanted to spend more time in the park. You know, I wish they had done shorts where they just followed around some guests in the park for, for mm-hmm. a day. And it could be like, you know, five-minute shorts of them riding the baby Triceratops and five-minute shorts of them feeding little baby Brachiosaurs and like, uh, yeah. riding the gyrosphere. I just wish we could have well, had more time in the park. Yeah, and that's something I, I wish as well because we we watched that movie and you see that moment. Um, and, and this is very different from The Lost World. I know we talked about how that movie is very slowly paced getting to the island, but this movie is like quick. It's there. You're you're pretty much on the island in the first like five minutes, it seems mm-hmm. like. And um, just uh, that moment where you hear like this Jurassic Park music swell and the get, uh. the doors open on the hotel room and the camera just flies across the lagoon and you get this glimpse of what the what a truly operating Jurassic Park is, you know, would have been. And it's it's amazing to see that all. And and you do see all these glimpses of like hotels and different sections of the park. And there's like a water park in one area. And mm-hmm. there's there's so much stuff that you just don't see. And it is disappointing on that level because it's such they focus on such like a small amount of the actual park. You You, you basically stick to Main Street. And a few other little paddocks here and there. Yep. So you don't really get a huge sense of the island. And even in the sequel, you don't get a huge sense of that outside of those areas. But good thing is we, we do have Camp Cretaceous coming for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's an animated series, but, you know, you, it ties in and it's supposed to, I guess, be canon. So you will get a glimpse at a lot of those extra, you know, uh, parts of the park. So I'm yep. very, very excited about that. Yeah, I'll be watching that with my daughter for sure. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up to the the quickness to which they just get to it, which is uh, like we said about the lost world uh, in that podcast, where there is a lot of time at the beginning before you actually get to the Island. And I think that's the balance that these Jurassic park movies need to walk. Because like I said, at this point, you already know the dinosaurs, you, you know what you're getting there. You're, you're ready for some great dinosaur action. But I think unless you really connect and care about the characters that are being terrorized and or saving the day the movie i think that's what kind of makes it a success or a failure ultimately because the you'll never beat that initial connection of alan grant and uh and ian malcolm and ellie sadler and all of them from the first one then the second one you got to kind of meet the team again and that's where i think it kind of slows down third one Again, the action is pretty much immediate because you're already like Alan Grant. This time he's got a buddy and then he's with these people who are clearly not who they say they are, but we'll find that out (laughs) later. And then with this one, I don't know. I didn't connect with the characters right away for as cool as that park looked and and everything about that we're finally getting to see the the Jurassic Park. I just I felt like it wasn't uh, it kind of lacked some of the fun of of Jurassic Park like when you meet Alan Grant mm-hmm. and uh, on site and he's kind of playful yet serious with the little boy and you you find out who Alan is in that moment and I just think with Chris Pratt's character and maybe it's because I like I said I'd seen it a million times on TV hearing him do you know animal instincts you know they hunt they <laughs> eat they mate I'm like oh I already heard this give me something fresh <laughs> And then I just didn't I just didn't really, really get it. It's funny that you bring that up, though, because I I rewatched Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom today to be ready for this. And Jurassic World, I Brad was right. We get to the island right away. It's within the first seven minutes that they're on the boat going to the island. But then we don't meet Claire for another four minutes. So at the 11 minute mark, we meet Claire 
and she's one of our main characters. And then she talks to Mizrani, and then we go see the Indominus Cage. We don't get to Chris Pratt's character for probably 20-ish, 25 minutes. And that's a really long time to get to to your male lead in a movie like this. I definitely see how you're saying the connection is is lacking. But you're you're right, 25 minutes. It's about 20 to 25 minutes in before we meet him. And I think that's why I didn't feel that connection is because I spent too much time with the kids and Claire and, you know, the kids right away, I didn't care that their parents were getting divorced. That that didn't add anything to the film to me. And then they get put, I think it would have just been more interesting if they would have just really played up how exciting their aunt is. But then she turns out to be this dud. But even that just doesn't quite make sense because I think they already know what they're getting with their Aunt Claire works with the dinosaurs. I don't know. I think they just could have done that whole beginning a little a little differently. And um, I just couldn't I just couldn't connect. And and then, yeah, when you yeah. finally get to meet Chris Pratt, it, it just was like, OK, I'm already not bored. Bored isn't the right word. But what were your thoughts on that, Brad? How did you feel? Well, what was your connection? I think I connected uh, pretty well. Um, maybe it maybe it has to do with um, back in like uh, man, probably around two thousand two thousand one, around the time when I was like you know dissatisfied with Jurassic Park three. My sister was actually in an off Broadway play with Bryce Dallas Howard, so I had this like you know kind oh, of wow. connection cool. where I was like, oh, like this is awesome. Like somebody that I've I, I said hi to, and I you know I've I kind of like met offhand you know through my sister's Broadway play. I mean, she was only like eight or something at that time, but my sister, but Bryce, you know, around ish the same age. So it was like, you know, it felt really cool to have somebody you've seen before be a part of this franchise. Um, and I will say about the whole family structure and everything, it's, it plays such a, a major role in every movie that is, you know, outside of the dinosaurs, these are really movies about families and Mm -hmm. connections and relationships and stuff. You know, you talk about Grant and Ellie and and the whole kid dynamic and, you know, trying to build a family. And then uh, the lost world is an interesting one with, with Kelly Malcolm and Ian Malcolm. And then also the fact that the, the T-Rex family, you know, they're, they're trying to get back to their, their child. Um, Even Jurassic park three. I mean, you talk about Ellen, Allie and Ellen, did I say that right? Alan and Ellie. Alan I, said and it, Ellie I think yeah. I said it all backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, them breaking up and then the Raptors trying to get back to their eggs and stuff. And then Jurassic World, it, it introduces, you know, a new family and a new dynamic. And you mentioned the the divorce thing. And a lot of people have put so much weight on that. And I, I, know, I don't really put a ton of weight on that just because if, if you go back to Jurassic Park, there is a throw throwaway line that like, Oh, uh, you know, we're investing all this money, and Hammond can't even bother to see me when when uh, Donald Gennaro goes to the Dominican Republic to see the um, amber mine, mm-hmm. and and he's like, "Well, Hammond had to leave early. His daughter's getting a divorce, and that's it. That's all you know about that." Yep. So it's a throwaway line as well, and it just you know then then all of a sudden the kids show up to the island by themselves. It's the same exact scenario. You know, the kids are there as a distraction to get them away from the divorce settlement. And that's exactly what happens in this movie too. It's like, let's get the kids out of here. We have to handle this. We have to take care of stuff. And I I don't put as much weight on it. You know, what you're saying is that Colin Trevorrow pulled a JJ Abrams. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, look, 2015 was heavy on nostalgia, right? I mean, it was all about throwing it back and trying to be the past you know, and trying to, to make you remember things and feel things. It just felt bulky to throw that in there. I, I get the connection. And of course with the family and, and a, you didn't mention too, even in three, the whole reason that movie happens is because it's two parents looking for their child that they yeah, lost. Yeah, so true. again, the family connection, <laughs> you're, about you're the cur- right. I, I, I really point. try to forget about the Kirby's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but you're blame. right. The family element, it is, it's, it's huge. It's just, I, I don't know if you need an excuse to send your kids to a dinosaur island, though. I don't think you have to say, because we're getting a divorce, go to the island, distract yourself. I think you can just say, guess what, kids? Your aunt works for the park, and you're going. And I don't, I, I, I wouldn't sit there and question, well, why aren't the parents going? I think it's about that struggle, because yeah. all of the other films are about relationship struggles. So if you just send them to the island, there's no struggle. It's all good, all, all fine. Um, unless that struggle is 
just singularly um, Claire learning to turn herself around, which I guess you could also say that too. Yeah. And I think that that's probably where you're going with it, Eric. I, I don't really care one way or the other. And as someone who's been divorced, you do want to try to shield your child or children from it as much as possible. So I understand the parents wanting to send the kids away to, you know, go and have fun on an island and get away from reality for a minute. But it, it is a heavy first like 18 and a half minutes, 20 something <laughs> minutes of the movie. They cram a lot of exposition in and they don't always do it the best way. Some of it is a little clumsy like Eric's bringing up, but you know, I, yeah. I personally feel connected to Owen, even though he comes pretty late in the picture, just because of the way he's introduced. I love the sequence of him being introduced with the Raptors and him having to go into the cage and, you know, save the new guy. And all the Raptors listen to him, uh, and he kind of shows off his abilities and his connection with with Blue, Echo, Delta, and Charlie. I just think that's so cool. Yeah, oh. it's interesting the the character of Owen because this, this is really and we talked about the family dynamic and everything. This is really Claire's movie from start to mm -hmm. finish. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's kind of unfortunate that the marketing and everything else like it's literally let's let's plaster chris pratt's face on the toy boxes on the dvd cover the poster the everything yep. every trailer you know like eric said it's like well we've seen we've seen it all we know every line that owen says and all that because they treated him as if he was the lead of this movie and yes i mean he's like a you know the, the male lead but like it's really claire's movie and that's why it's like you're supposed to connect with them and maybe it's, you know, it's a failing on that. And it, it certainly is heavy handed with a lot of dialogue and stuff. Certainly like later on, you're like, Oh, Claire, like Claire's talking about, uh, she wants, doesn't want to have a family. does want to have, it's very confusing mm -hmm. all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I wonder if, if the marketing would have been done differently had guardians of the galaxy flopped, like a lot of people expected it to, because that's why they weighed so heavily on, on Chris mm. Pratt's shoulders because he had a breakout hit with Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. If the movie didn't do as well as it did, maybe we would have gotten more posters with the Indominus or just the logo or Bryce and Chris and the logo rather than what we got, which was a ton of posters with the logo and then Pratt riding a motorcycle with a couple um, Raptors around him. Which is awesome. I, yeah, I, I do love awesome. him doing that. <laughs> yeah, me too. So... I think, you know, we, we're praising a bit of this movie, but I, I just want to say once again how great it was to see more of this park and more of the attractions that they had. The gyrosphere is awesome. The mosasaur is awesome. The T-Rex paddock is awesome. Everything that they take you to that you get glimpses of is really, really cool. And it's exactly what I and the child inside me wanted from an original Jurassic Park movie. You know, I, I wanted to be on the island. I wanted to see the park in operation, and now I'm getting it, and it is just eye candy. Yeah. I, we can we can move ahead three years and start talking about the next film in the franchise. So Colin Trevorrow wrote the script with another person, but uh, handed over the directing duties to J.A. Bayona. And J.A. is known more for horror than for action. And I think that was a pretty smart choice because the movie plays, especially the last third, the last act of the movie, is more of a horror film, in my opinion, than a Jurassic Park movie. I don't know if either of you agree with that. Totally agree. He just, he knows, J.A. knows how to make a, a scary movie and, you know, the sequence in the, in the house as much as it doesn't feel like a Jurassic Park film, which we'll talk about in a couple minutes. It does feel like a horror film, and horror is one of my favorite types of genre, so I am all in. Well, if we're going to dive into it, yeah, I didn't care for the house <laughs> sequence. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts uh, on the film as a whole? Again, Fallen Kingdom, the first half was interesting enough to me, but the second half, being on the mainland again, that's that's where I start to to lose the, the awe and the mystique of of the dinosaur island and now they're just here with us it's it's like you know you're you're out in outer space and oh now we're going to finish the movie on earth it's like yeah but this is this stuff takes place out in space where it's fantasy and you're having fun in this special place 
and now you're just in California. You know, I, I that, that's <laughs> sort of a, about a little down. film called Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and this is where though they're just forced to kind of go with what's already been set up the same way. Phil and I have talked about the Star Wars movies. The blueprint is laid out and you kind of have to now follow along. So in that respect, uh, Dominion, now that I'm braced for dinosaurs in the real world or our world, as it were, uh, I'll be able to handle that, um, I hope. (laughs) But considering they're bringing back most of the the original cast, I I think I'll be able to handle that that quite well, actually. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I I didn't I didn't mind. A lot of people had had problems with the, uh, you know, the whole physics of a volcano exploding and what that would really do to you and how hot ash is coming out of a volcano <laughs> and you couldn't just run through it and and you know none of that bothered me because again if you believe that they yes. already got blood out of a mosquito then <laughs> you you should have turned the movie off right there if you can't get past right. that. Thank so you. I'm. <laughs> yep. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with everything else, and and I guess that's why, largely, I'm mostly critical of of the of the story elements and the character elements rather than things like that. Like, hey, Chris Pratt, r- run through a volcano storm. Do it. Do it, man. You're the hero. I don't. I don't care. But, but then, but then you're gonna tell me the parents are divorced and the aunt's a pain in the butt. <laughs> Oh, that's too much. <laughs> these these kids have had a terrible childhood. You know, just pick one or the other. Oh, <laughs> I, gosh. I don't need both. I I had a problem. So when I saw Fallen Kingdom, I didn't love it out of the gate. I enjoyed it. I thought it was an interesting take on the franchise that is taking it in a completely different direction. But I didn't think it was a Jurassic Park movie. It didn't feel like a Jurassic Park movie. It felt like a it felt like a slight horror movie that had dinosaurs in it rather than a Jurassic Park movie. If that makes any sense. Oh, totally. That's why like I said, I the part on the island at the beginning felt Jurassic Parkish, mm-hmm. but then that whole second half it takes it just takes you out of it somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I think- even that though, I one of the big criticisms I had when I first saw the movie was that they didn't spend enough time on the island. And I understand why it took so long to get there because they did have to set it all up for us to get to the island. And then why would they were only on the island for about 30 minutes because the pacing of the movie needed to get them back to the house. And I, I completely get it. And now I can watch the movie and appreciate it in a very different way. But when I went into the film, I wasn't ready for it. When I saw it the first time in theaters, I wasn't ready for that. And so I walked out of the theater thinking that that wasn't what I paid for. That wasn't Jurassic Park to me. And so, like I said, now I've come to terms with it, but it's just, it's very jarring for it to be Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and not feel like Jurassic World. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. And I know a lot of people have uh, that same issue and and struggle with it. Um, when I saw this one, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was not a Jurassic Park three experience for me. It was it was different. What I saw, I I actually really loved. I, I really liked what I saw. The problem was I already saw it like like Eric was saying about Jurassic World. This one took it to a completely different level and, and showed you literally everything like a scene mm-hmm. from every point in the film yeah, and every like dynamic moment where something would have changed or, you know, you may, I don't know, just like there were so many moments where I thought, Oh, maybe they'll trick us. They're, they're going to trick us here or something, but no, they literally showed you how it was. It was not a trick in the trailer or anything. It was like 100% the way it was. And I'm in a weird position where I, you know, I podcast about this stuff every week. So I'm already theorizing constantly right so Mm -hmm. people will call in or i'll have discussions with people about what the movie is so in a way we kind of figure out a lot of stuff ahead of time plus i i tend to like hear a lot of things and know a lot of things offhand um about the production and about you know the story beforehand so when i went to go see that i I, it was a press screening in new york um it was incredible it was actually this like 
uh, I forget. It was like AMC in New York, huge IMAX screen. We got like goodie bags and stuff, had to put our phones in like Ziplocs and all mm-hmm. that good stuff. And I was just so excited. I, I thought it was, you know, such an awesome moment to be able to see this movie. And it was weird because this movie came out, it came out two weeks early in the UK. And I don't know mm-hmm. why they do that. They, they, they release that. movies weeks ahead in some places. And um, usually it's the other way around. We get movies early and they don't. Right. Um, but this time around, they were getting it two weeks early. But luckily, I got that press screening the same day, I think, that it was released in the UK or right around there. So I actually ended up seeing it like either a little bit earlier than them. And I was like, oh, that was a huge weight off my chest. And, <laughs> and I certainly felt bad for everybody else in the US that still had to wait the, the extra two weeks. But um, man, I really hope they don't do that again. But I think, Brad, the reason they actually did that, um, England's parents were getting a divorce. So they were like, guess what, guys? You get to see the movie two weeks early. Take your mind off of it. And wow, England yeah. was like, oh, cool. Thanks, guys. So nice. nice. That's, You're right. That's, that's yeah. why that happened. Mm-hmm. It, it was a really traumatizing time for, yeah, for the UK. I, you know, I feel sorry for them, but just give them a, one little slice of, of goodness. Yeah. It's funny because and you say uh, that, but is that when Brexit happened? That's just. <laughs> it could have Probably been. Fairly close. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. I think that, that was, was 2016 it. though, but still that's funny. Um, <laughs> it, it was just such an odd time though, because like I, I felt like I saw the entire movie and when when the thing was done, like I said, I was impressed and and kind of loved everything that I saw and shocked by a lot of it. it. It hurt me in a way where I was like, man, I really wish Universal wouldn't do this. And they they have a problem. Universal has a, a serious issue with their trailers, and they do this yeah. with a lot of their movies, like the Fast and Furious franchise does the exact same thing. It's like, well, let's just show you the whole thing. It's like they feel like they need to they need to hook you with all the titular scenes, and. Yeah. And everything that is is so action packed, they think this is what's going to get people in the seats. But then you see everything that's action packed. So, well, see that actually where this is maybe where life imitates art. So in Jurassic World, one of Chris Pratt's quotes after they genetically make the uh, what was the name of the dinosaur in Indominus Rex? The Indominus. Jeez, blanking here. He says it's already dinosaurs. Wow, enough. Yeah. Right. That's that's his line. So now in Fallen Kingdom, it's almost like, again, life imitates art. They tried to go bigger and crazier. And what can we do to really get people engaged in this? You know, and you should have already just said it's already dinosaurs. Wow, enough. But instead, they build this whole underground dinosaur uh, auction because there's a weapon where you can point a gun at somebody and a dinosaur will kill them. And it's already been made fun of. This isn't my original observation here, even though I did think it in the movie, which was, you've already got a gun. (laughs) Why do you need the dinosaur? You know, if I've got to point a gun at somebody and then wait for a dinosaur to attack them, I've already kind of got the guy in my scopes. I don't know why. (laughs) And so I think that's where the movie tried to go. Like, look at, look what you could do with a dinosaur attack dinosaurs. And I think that was kind of a swing and a miss a little bit when, when you step back and really think of it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's something, it's something that was set up in Jurassic world. Like, you know, they, they have that conversation with Owen and, and Vic Hoskins, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio in that movie. He, um, you know, talked about send, you know, trying to spare lives and, uh, you know, not put boots on the ground. So instead you, you send the dinosaurs in to eat the, eat the bad guys belt buckle and all. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a strange theory for sure, but it's honestly not that off, you know, from, from historically speaking, you know, kind of, Humans have been doing that for years, you know, yeah. putting and animals into these situations, big ones, small ones. Even today, we still put dogs into situations to go uh, figure out things ahead of us. And I think that's kind of what they were leaning on. And, you know, oh, having, sure. them, having them get the bad guys before they actually get in there and, and take out what they need to take out. But and that, yeah, it, that, it's kind of clunky, but, uh, you know, I, I get and, what they're trying. And it, it's what we would do. If honestly, oh, yeah. <laughs> if this really happened in real life, if they cloned dinosaurs, someone in the government would say, how do we weaponize them? 
And that's just the way it is. You know, that's the way our, oh, unfortunately sure. our, our country works right now. And I totally get that. I, and I get that we use animals in that way. It's just the fact that he's literally standing in the same room with the gun. Yeah. And, and, and sure, maybe there's a, you, you, you give, you, you fly a drone stuff, yeah. over the target and then, but you still have to get the dinosaur there. And it just seems like a really <laughs> long way to go around. Like, how do you even transport that? You'd have to fly it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Humans would have to still fly it in, put it in the ground, keep it busy until you point the laser. And how close do you have to get the dinosaur to the laser to see the target? I mean, people are going to see a helicopter coming in with a T-Rex hanging out of the side. And it's like the T-Rex is going to be like, Alan, are we at the drop zone? I mean, and I might be picking this apart more than it needs to be. It's just those are the kind of things that, to again, quote Chris Pratt, it's already dinosaurs enough. Wow, enough. Mm-hmm. I, I'm already good with the concept. And I get that you're trying to do something fresh, but I think they just went a little too far. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't even think about that with the laser because I just I think about it in the terms that the military is used now where they use a lot of drones. And I was just thinking, oh, you just put dinosaurs on the ground and you keep letting it follow this laser that you're flying around with a drone. And then eventually you kill, a, you know, kill some bad guys. But, <laughs> but the fact that they're auctioning them off to the highest bidder, I do like the line in there that B.D. Wong's character says, which is they'll make their own. Because I think, I don't know if that's going to set up Dominion or if that's, you know, even just a throwaway line. But if you do give this technology, which is a, you know, a lab made genetically engineered dinosaur, another government's going to take it and pick it apart and figure out how to do it themselves. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, it's been set up. It's literally the first thing that happens in, in Jurassic Park is that is the setup of that movie. It's, it's let's. Let's have this other company, which they actually mm-hmm. don't name in Jurassic Park. It's named in the novel. And, right. you know, Dodgson, you know, is part of Biosyn and Biosyn will play a part in the future of the movies. Um, you know, that's their intention is is to essentially crumble uh, uh, or cripple Jurassic Park by doing their own thing. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where all that implementation goes. Like, does it, you know, because some people bought them. Some people are going to use them as like tanks, like like they say, mm-hmm. this, this ankylosaurus is is a tank essentially. And, you know, or, but who knows what the other, you know, the other dinosaurs are going to be used for. So I'm really interested to see. And then you have obviously all the ones that are out in the wild, but um, you know, I, I really appreciate this movie for the risks that it, it tried to take. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't put it, you know, too much stock into the military stuff because I'm, I'm more invested in the rest of the ongoing story. And, and for instance, like the, the, the huge risk that they they took that we didn't even talk about yet is the fact that they <laughs> introduce human um, yep. cloning. And you beat me to it, it Brad. That was going to be my yeah, next sorry, thing I, I was going to ask you about it. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, the big takeaway from this film isn't about the dinosaurs. It's about, what's her name? Maggie, not Maggie. Um, uh, Maisie. Maisie. The big yeah. takeaway is Maisie, that she's a clone of her mother and she is seemingly a perfect replica. Well, actually, she's a clone of herself. Um, well, that's true. That's true. Mother. Not her mother, right? Yeah, a clone so, of herself. So, yeah, that's all kind of, again, another thing that's very confusing. And um, maybe we'll get some answers later on. But, you know, first off, they introduce like a, a, a partner to John Hammond, which you never heard about before. It's like, let's retcon it a little bit and just say that he had a partner that had a, a fallout with Hammond and. We don't know why or what it was. Well, I, I mean, I guess we can say that it was the cloning probably, right. but they, they do um, mention that. Yeah. But, but like, I like that they introduced this new family dynamic and family issues and all that, <laughs> that cool stuff. And the cloning thing, it feels so Michael Crichton to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everything about this, this setup with the human cloning, it really feels like Michael Crichton. Um, and sure, it's like this Crichton set inside of a monster movie, set inside of an action movie, like a J- Jason Bourne movie or something, because like it's all it's all over the place at the end for sure. But um, uh, yeah, I just love that cloning aspect. It feels very Michael Crichton. And uh, oh, yeah, I mentioned Jason Bourne. I just got to say, I love how randomly in that the auction sequence, Chris Pratt just becomes like 
either like a James Bond, a Jason Bourne, <laughs> or Indiana Jones. It, it feels like an Indiana Jones moment because he's just yeah. making it up as he goes along, just punching it. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And sure, it's not it's not Jurassic whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing about that is Jurassic. Nothing about the horror movie aspect is Jurassic, but it it it's cool. I love I don't care. I love it. I love how that changes it up and and um honestly like how how many times can we just like go back to an island and do sure. a thing and you know uh create a new park and all this stuff so it's a risk they had to kind of take and i i, I give them some credit for doing so because it's it's dramatic to like say let's start cloning humans um even though they kind of do allude to it in in jurassic park you know john hammond's like hello john hello hello yeah. john he's cloning himself so it's a nice <laughs> little throwback yeah, I that's another thing you, you brought up that I had a problem with that there was the silent partner or not silent partner, but there was this partner that we've never heard about that mm. we're now focusing the movie around his family in this film. I, I did walk away out of the theater saying, what was that? Come on. <laughs> All retcon. But like, For you know, sure. like I said before, I've come to terms with a lot of this film and I actually like it a lot better than when I left the theater after seeing it a couple times at home. And I will tell you, the most devastating sequence in any Jurassic film is when the Brachiosaur walks out onto the dock <laughs> and the the volcano has erupted and the smoke and flames and everything are engulfing that Brachiosaur as it rears up and does its trumpet, its trumpet call, and it just falls down. <laughs> it is heartbreaking. Yeah. And that's it was a really strong way to send off the island so that we we now know, you know, we'll never go back there. You know, no matter what happens with the franchise, no matter what happens in the Jurassic lore, we won't go back to that island in future films unless, you know, it's a unless it's a, you know, a prequel. Yeah, it's it's so just, yeah, it's heart wrenching. You know, you're seeing that that Brachiosaurus strike the same pose. Mm -hmm. You hear like. Uh, a more melancholy version of the Jurassic Park theme underneath oh. that moment. And it's just so brutal. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I can't I, like nearly shed a tear every time. Yep. Me too. Don't hate me guys. I roll my eyes. Oh. There are, there are, there are no tears. <laughs> oh, I feel I, it. I feel it. Especially Giacchino's score in both Jurassic world and fallen kingdom is awesome. He is. The I next, agree with yeah. that. He's the next John Williams in that, you know, I think anytime Giacchino writes a score, I feel it the same way I feel John Williams scores, which is saying a lot. Yeah, he he has a sense about him to do like very similar stuff in a lot of his movies where it's like one or two note motifs. Like there's a, a bit in actually like Rogue One. Um, uh, I forget what song it is in particular or what track, but um, right when like Jin Erso is is like watching a video or a transmission mm-hmm. of her father and there's this like note motif under there and it's so it's just piano and he brought that across to like several other movies but like it it's so effective and I don't care how many times he uses it but like it really tears me apart and and I love his work and honestly mm-hmm. I think he 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 nailed it with Jurassic World and it surprisingly actually even introduced cuz he did um he did the score for the Lost World video game Yes, he did back in in 97. So he actually brought one of those motifs. that was a raptor mm-hmm. motif into Jurassic World, which was incredible to hear. And uh, mm-hmm. what he did, I think, in, in Fallen Kingdom was even better somehow than than what he did. He was he was channeling, you know, these horror movies of the past. Mm-hmm. And it really, truly feels like a horror film score. Yeah. And it's so oh, yeah. not Jurassic. It doesn't feel anything like a Jurassic score in, in certain instances, but it's so impressive and so brutal, so scary. And it yeah. really, it holds up against those, you know, Frankenstein's, you know, uh, moments or whatever at the end with the indominant or Indoraptor. And it, it, it invokes so many different like universal monsters. There's moments of uh, Dracula in there when it's like hanging down from the roof. There's moments of, Frankenstein's monster there, you know, just the way it's created and everything, the way it looks kind of mangled and everything. And of course, mm-hmm. like w- the Wolfman, when it's on top of the roof, just like howling, howling in the yeah. moonlight, it's so impressive. I yep. love there's there's almost no better shot in a Jurassic movie than that thing on top of the, the roof. It's straight up horror movie and doesn't necessarily feel Jurassic, but it's so iconic to me. I agree 100 percent. And I 
you know, I can go on for days talking about movie scores, so I won't get too deep into it. I will just say Giacchino is a chameleon and he can do anything. And so far he hasn't done anything wrong in my opinion. So I'm excited to see what comes with Dominion. Yeah, me too. So any, anything else we want to talk about for these films? I don't really have any more points uh, except to say that this was probably my Jurassic Park three um, fallen kingdom. Got it. This, this would be the last, the last one. It's not a childhood runer. It just, uh, as you guys were saying, as I've said, it's just such a departure that it just didn't didn't strike a chord with me. I didn't I didn't really believe in the setup. I didn't really I like the island stuff was cool was great action, um, but I didn't buy into the underground dinosaur auction, and it it just didn't it just didn't grab me. I didn't even feel the same chemistry of. Uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard in this one as I did in the other one. Like I kind of believe them at the end of the Jurassic world. And I thought, okay, if they keep making movies, I could get into this. But then I didn't like that. We already had the, they dated off screen and then they broke up and then now we're getting back together on screen and we're just watching them refine each other again. And I, you know, when we talk about any of these movies, anything being made now, there's just so much content out there in general. And, and I agree because you said that they've, they've got to do something different. How many times can they go to the Island? I agree. I just don't know if this was the right direction and what else is there to do beyond dominion, which is coming out, which have you guys seen? I, d- I would imagine you've seen it, Brad battle at big rock. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you both seen it. Yeah, yeah, I I just watched that recently when I was doing research for this. You, you talk about uh, no better images in these movies. The image of the T Rex against the fire, roaring at the Triceratops in that. The visual on that I thought was incredible. So I'm I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do with Dominion. Although I. Uh, and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the Battle at Big Rock is a eight-minute short. You can find it on YouTube, and it's a uh, it's a little mini story that takes mm-hmm. place after the uh, dinosaurs have been let loose in the United States, and uh, a bunch of people decide to go camping with dinosaurs in the woods. So uh, <laughs> you can you can guess what happens from there. Yep, it was really well done. I, I liked it a lot. Super well done. I really liked well, it's, it. Yeah, Trevorrow wrote it, directed it. I mean, he he got a good cast for it. He he did it all. Yeah, looked great. Yeah, and that gets me excited for you know him doing the next film too because I feel like with Jurassic World he had he it was almost like impo- an impossible situation, right? Like he had to reinvigorate a franchise after Jurassic Park three that was pretty much dead. Like there was no hope for this franchise and that's why universal had no faith in it because you know it's been 14 years since the last one and he had to reinvigorate the entire thing so it had to have a certain look and style is very shiny and polished mm-hmm. very action heavy all that stuff it you know it kind of lost the the conversational moments of the the original three where you know there's no score it's just people talking like the lunch scene in Jurassic yeah. Park or or like Hammond's mansion in, in the Lost World. Like those moments are kind of gone. And and that's just an, an expression across all of film today. It's kind of. Yeah, the quiet moments aren't quiet anymore. Yeah. Sure. But he had to do an impossible task to reinvigorate this franchise. And I think, you know, he said it before that the movie he wanted to make was this third one. You know, sure. It kind of sounds like director speak like you know, trying to get people hyped. But I, I think it's true because I think he wanted to make whatever this movie is. And I think that shows with Battle at Big Rock is he nailed that that short. And, you know, that that's actually a, a slight correction. <laughs> Hate to be that guy, but it's a Allosaurus and an Asutoceratops. So the Allosaurus is one that we do see in Fallen Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, this is now uh, an adult so it looks completely different than the Allosaurus you saw in Fallen Kingdom. And then the Nasutoceratops is, is an animal that we've never seen in any of the movies. So who, I don't know what's going on there. I guess like they just didn't show it that, that I hate that. I kind of hate that explanation yeah. of like, 
well, you just we didn't point the camera at all the dinosaurs that were in the ship that were being taken off the island. So that's kind of that always bugs me. But um, well, I'm not a paleontologist. I'm just doing my best. (laughs) Yeah, look, I I am the worst as far as like Jurassic fans are concerned. I am my dinosaur knowledge is so minimal that I feel like I'm such a novice compared to so many other fans. So um, but after watching them so many times, yeah, I can't help, you know, with the ones that are actually in the films. Um, But man, that that short was was really incredible. And actually, some of the best stuff was the the footage afterwards, which is not really necessarily stuff he even shot. It was just like there's actually literally literally like those are videos from people like Mm -hmm. that one with the little girl getting chased by compies was actually Mm -hmm. a little girl getting chased by chickens or something or like a duck or something. I I forget what it was. So it's incredible to see like that they're going to do this. But yeah, it is kind of silly. Like apparently it takes place a year after I think the, the Fallen Kingdom. So it's kind of weird how like all this stuff has been going on in the woods and it's still like hush hush and people don't really know about what's going on. Cause like in the beginning of that short, they're like, did you hear about what happened up North? You know, and you don't know what that means. Right. And it's like, nobody really understands that there's dinosaurs out there. Well, well but they also, they also say though, the, the, when they see the dinosaurs, the woman says the ranger told us to just be quiet. Yeah. And I'm like, so wait a minute. You knew there might be dinosaurs in the area <laughs> so and you went confusing. camping? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just the way like life is going to be. It's kind of like us right now with, with the coronavirus. It's like, well, we just kind of have to live with it, right? Sure, um, sure. I think that's the idea right. that they're, they're kind of floating is like they're, they're not going to be these terrors that stomp around our cities. They're just going to be the 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 monsters you know in our closet or under our bed like that's what they're gonna be Interesting. so yeah well there, there can't but, be that many of them either so it's no. it's kind of interesting how they're gonna wh- what angle they're gonna come at this because maybe 30 to 40 dinosaurs got out and if you think over the course of a year the military or somebody couldn't wrangle <laughs> 30 to 40 of them it seems yeah, good, right odd. Especially you just go call everybody that used to work at Jurassic World and be like, all right, animal wranglers, come on and help us find yeah. the dinosaurs. Um, something that I don't think I ever saw before, or just I, I just don't remember it, but there's a post credit scene at the end of Fallen Kingdom where two pterodons mm-hmm. are landing on the Paris, uh, Paris, Paris in Vegas on the Eiffel Tower. And mm-hmm. so that's another thing about Battle at Big Rock. When If people don't know there are dinosaurs anywhere, how many hundreds of thousands of people are in Vegas that would take a picture of that and post it online. You know, the thing about this new series is it's not star Wars and star Wars um, and Lucasfilm and Disney really blessed the fans by erasing everything and starting fresh, you know, outside of the films and the clone wars, you know, they erased everything. They got rid of it and, and they made it kind of clean and cohesive. And then, from there on out, they have a story group that helps out with the, you know, to wrangle the story, make sure they're not treading on each other and, you know, making a mess of it. They do sometimes, but it's not it's not too, too bad. But with this new franchise, it's kind of a mess. And it's it's honestly because the original series was a mess. You know, like there was no cohesion between right. those first three movies. They're three separate tales yeah. that really outside of a few characters don't don't really tread on each other all that much. So they really are three separate stories. So now they're like, well, let's let's make three more movies here and try to make a cohesive universe. Real trilogy. It just yeah. doesn't really, yeah, it just doesn't really work all that much. And like all these little things, like you're talking about the pteranodons and like when when do things take place? I have no clue. It's all so confusing. Um, that is that is a big struggle, I think, for a lot of Jurassic fans these days is is the canon. Um, and then you have Colin Trevorrow who likes to to coin the term soft canon which is not a thing. It's either canon or not. Like, there's no in-between. Like, right. You don't it have an in-between. <laughs> you can pull things, pull things from things that are not canon. Like if it's, you know, the video game, there's a video game from Telltale uh, called Jurassic Park, the game. And there's things in that video game that have now been dismissed because of what happened in Jurassic World. In the video game, the visitor center from the original movie was smashed apart by a T-Rex. Mm-hmm. And when you go to Jurassic World, that obviously isn't the case, right? Right. So that's it's not canon. part by Indominus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So Colin likes to say that it's soft canon, which is just a very, very confusing thing for people. 
and I don't I don't agree with soft cannon, but um, it's it's just this weird dynamic where we don't really know what the the full through line is with all these movies and. And and I'm not even I, I'm going to tempt you guys to go. And I don't know if you've done it already, but there are motion comics. I don't know if you've seen these, but these are for uh, Jurassic World. They're kind of like a setup to Battle at Big Rock, but they came out way after Battle at Big Rock. And they're just they're just slightly animated comics that are just, you know, on YouTube. And there's maybe four of them, I think. And it just ends abruptly. And they're not very well done, <laughs> I got to say. <laughs> Um, and they just make everything even more confusing. So it's very frustrating. So the thing that like kind of ruins things for me these days is the fact that I have to continually like battle with this canon that nearly doesn't exist. And at the end of the day, I kind of just say to myself, it doesn't matter. There is no canon. <laughs> like it's just a mess as it is. So, you know, take it for what it is and don't get too bogged down in all the mess, messy details. Like, like the Tranodon, like honestly, the Tranodon's, in the end of the lost world are flying around free. That's right. True. Yeah. But then in Jurassic park three, they're in a cage. And then we make a point to show that they're out of the cage again, flying some, yeah. so it, none, none of this makes any sense. Right. Nope. So it, it's all very confusing. So that's, that's a big struggle for me these days. All right. So with that being said, did it ruin your childhood? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and, and I, you know, I, I said I had struggles with Fallen Kingdom, but I have, I love that movie so much. And it's, it's probably my third favorite one mm -hmm. at this point. Um, I love both aspects. I love the fact that it, you know, takes a drastic turn. It, it's an, an action movie in the first half, and then it's a, a horror movie in the second half. I love that dynamic. And um, obviously I love Jurassic World. So none of those th two things ruined anything for me. And if anything, they just made everything better um, for me. It, it created a fandom that would never have existed otherwise. You know, we, we all kind of, you know, we're doing our own thing and, and talking with some fans, but it wasn't really a huge fandom. And, and I've been able to do things that I never would have been able to do, like, you know, get uh, samples from Mattel or speak with creators or, you know, actors or whoever and get a chance to go see, to be invited to go see Jurassic World live tour, which is, you know, should have been a canon material, but for some reason, <laughs> Colin's not. like, it's soft canon, soft canon. Um, so, you know, to get to the chance to do things like that, to be invited to Toy Fair, it's really astonishing. And I just love the fact that this franchise exists still and it's uh, it's continuing and apparently has no end in sight. Um, so I guess I'm going to be podcasting for a very long time. So, yeah, I got a lot ahead of me. Well, we're lucky for that. <laughs> we're very lucky for that. Uh, Eric, did this, did Fallen Kingdom or Jurassic World ruin your childhood? No, uh, they come very far from being childhood ruiners. Just, uh, like I said, you, you put dinosaurs on the big screen, you know, I'm going to pay you to, to let me in so I can watch it. I, I just love this stuff. I, I eat it up. I can't, I can't really get on board with this last one. Um, Fallen Kingdom. Uh, if I'm going to rank them, the, the original goes first. And then uh, Jurassic World and Lost World, depending on my mood, will swing between two and three. I Sometimes I'll say Lost World's second favorite, sometimes it's third favorite, um, and then three, and then this last one. But uh, despite all of that, I, uh, I cannot say it ruined my childhood. That's good to hear. Uh, same with me. These movies just enhance my childhood. I have talked in the past about how Jurassic Park was very formative in my teen years. And Jurassic World really brought a lot of those feelings back. I truly do think Jurassic World is the second best film in the franchise. And I don't think I would be going too far out on a limb to say that Fallen Kingdom might actually rank number three for me. Just barely ahead of The Lost World. And I think the same kind of things you said, Brad, about the first half being action, the second half being horror. Horror is such a big part of my movie fandom that the fact that I got a Jurassic Park movie that's so different than anything we've had before and feels like a horror movie just kind of catapults it a little bit higher. Um, so they didn't ruin my childhood and they've only enhanced it and made me even more of a fervent fan waiting for the... I guess the finale in this next trilogy, and we'll see what happens after that. 
So Brad, I want to thank you again for joining us, but uh, can you share where other people can find you uh, outside of this podcast? Sure. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter uh, at Jurassic Park Pod and myself at Brad Jost. Um, certainly go to our website, JurassicParkPodcast.com. Everything's there. You can find all of our links to the podcast, wherever it is, um, our YouTube channel and everything. We have so much content on there. So definitely go check it out. We're new stuff. It's constantly spitting out every week, every day. Sometimes it's kind of crazy, but yeah, we're busy over here. So come check us out. Thank you, Eric. Uh, you can find me on my other podcast, Everything, Anything, and Nothing Really, uh, available on iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And for me, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. And you can also hear my musings on another on other podcasts in the Real Fans for Real Movies Network, Real Fans for Real Movies, Holy Batcast, the All Batman Podcast, Disorder, Every Disney Film, and I have also been on Brad's other podcast, Grim Grinning Hosts, about theme parks. That's a good one. So I want to thank you all for listening in with Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and we hope this didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood this podcast ruined my childhood? <laughs>